This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we reach the All-Star Break. After a little slump leading into the break, the Yankees exploded in two wins on their way into the break versus the Red Sox. So they hit the break, which is very late this year, 92 games into the season, at a really torrid 64-28, and 28, 13 games up in the division, three games ahead of the Dodgers, four games ahead of the Astros in terms of overall standings. Uh, and obviously, a Yankee has been the best offensive player, the most dynamic, most explosive offensive player in baseball this year. No, I'm not talking about Judge. I'm talking about Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter has just destroyed opposing pitching in his limited activity. I mean, the numbers are, they're not staggering. They are all time. In 79 at-bats, Carpenter has 13 homers, 34 RBIs, a 3.54 batting average, and a 1.38 OPS. These are a slugging at 9.11. He hits a homer every six at-bats. He knocks in a run every 2.3 at-bats. Hey, Yankees can't sit this guy. My God, he has exploded on the scene. Every time he comes to the plate, he destroys the opposition. Now, we all know it's not going to continue, but it is fun that a guy has come to the team who was cast adrift after a very, very solid career and has just exploded on the scene. I mean, Judge has had a great, great year, 33-70, So he's had a wonderful season. He's an MVP leader, there's no question. As is Alonzo, who leads baseball with 78 RBIs. But the Carpenter thing is unbelievable. It really is. So the Yankees have had a magical first 92 games. That doesn't mean there aren't question marks. There are. There's question marks in the rotation. There's question marks in the bullpen. There's question marks in the lineup. There will be, because no matter what you try to do here, And no matter how many games the Yankees win in the regular season, whether they win 105, 110, or 115, there is no way to guarantee they will perform in the postseason. That's just the way it is. You're going to have to live with that. There's no way that Brian Cashman, and if he doesn't do anything or doesn't do anything major and the Yankees don't perform in the postseason – you know what? Everyone's going to criticize him that he sat on his hands. And you know what? What do you want to do right now? Hey, you want to make sure Gallo doesn't play? Gallo's not going to play. Carpenter's going to play. They are going to make the lineup that clears the DA spot for Carpenter. 
which means Stanton will be in right field. That's all. Which means you want to have a caddy for him defensively. A guy who can come in a game and run for him late and play defense. And Carpenter will be your DH. You got to put him in the lineup when he's put these high numbers up. You have no question. You have no. You have to. He's been the best player in baseball. But there's no guarantees. The only guarantee you have right now is the Yankees are going to win the division. That's it. And they're going to be the number one seed most likely. I say most likely because the Astros are only four games behind. The Astros are a really dangerous team. As for the Mets, the MVP of the Mets in the first half, despite 78 RBIs, is not Alonzo, it's Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter came into that team and performed his magic. He transformed that team in every way. He transformed the way they thought. He transformed the way they performed. They have played crisp. They have played cohesively. They have played with an edge. They have been there all season. They have been attentive. They have in every way performed the way you would want a baseball team to perform, and that's Buck. He has really been that important to changing the culture of that organization, and he has done that. There is no question he has done that. Mets find themselves two and a half games in front. I know it would have been nice to get out of there with that game in Chicago yesterday against the hapless Cubs, but you know what? Sooner or later they have to win a game, and they did. Here's what you have to look forward to. The Mets need to get more out of Escobar, and they're going to play him because they like him. They have to really take a stern look at their bullpen. They, I know they're going to be tempted to upgrade catcher because they don't get much out of the position at all. They'd like to add another bat. The most logical way to do all that would be a catcher. And the biggest part of this baseball season, the most fun part, is going to be a week from tomorrow when the Yankees and the Mets meet. It's going to be the highlight of the baseball summer. There's going to be a energy. There's going to be a real intensity in the ballpark in both places. First in City Field this a week from tomorrow when the Yankees come in for two games because the fans are going to be into it on both sides. The Mets want to look at the Yankees. They think now eye to eye. The Yankee fans are going to say, no, we're still the Yankees. Look at our season. Yes, you got money, but look at your, our season. And it's going to be really fun, and it's going to be even better should the big pitcher, and I'm thinking about Scherzer, because I know DeGrom is, they're not going to thrust DeGrom into that. We know that. We're not sure when he's coming back, but they're not going to thrust him right into that. They would, I would think, set up their rotation coming out of the break to that Scherzer pitches against the Yankees. You would hope so, because that's really going to be fun. And I'm sure he wants the ball against them and wants to pitch in that showcase. I'm sure he very much does. We would love a Scherzer-Cole game in the two games at City Field. That would be wonderful. 
don't know the rotations yet because we don't know how they're going to juggle them out of the rotation, out of the, out of the break. Cole pitched yesterday. He pitched very well. The Yankee bats were booming. They scored a ton of runs the last two games, and they beat on the Red Sox and got back after having a little mini slump. But the eight days... And now, the countdown. When we come off the break and we get through the chat about the players picked up in the draft last night and then the home run derby tonight, maybe a word or two about the All-Star game, which I doubt. I mean, you know, the question is how many players are going to have actually bailed from the All-Star game. It looks like half the lineup is bailing. The home run derby is actually a better show now than the All-Star game is. I'm serious. I actually think it's, you know, at times it's more compelling than the game is. And then when they start and the clock rings for the second half of the schedule, which we are well towards 100 games already. We're already 92 games into the season. 92, 93 for the Mets, 92 for the Yankees. All the talk leading to this weekend and setting up Tuesday will be about the Subway Series. And I've always been, as you know, an enormous proponent of the Subway Series. The Subway Series has been great for baseball. It's been great for baseball in this town. I've been to most of those games. I worked and we did our show there most of the time. I would, on an average, see five of the six games live. Once in a while, miss the third game on Sunday if it was a weekend set, which it most of the time was. The bottom line is, rarely were there empty seats. There was always a storyline. It always mattered. Yeah, maybe it mattered a little more when George was here because George hated to lose to the Mets. He was crazy about that. I mean, heads rolled. They lost to the Mets, heads rolled. You made a big error if you were a young guy, or you pitched badly, or you made a big mistake. You were banished. That's how it worked. He didn't want to lose to Tampa, the Red Sox, or the Mets. And they added some intensity. But now, with Cohn here with his money, with where the Mets are with Buck, with everything going on in the city, right now this game is going to be big. And the place to be, the hot ticket, will be next Tuesday night. That will be a big, big Who's who at City Field on a July night? If you had a chance to see any of the British Open, you saw an incredible display. Everyone went into Sunday thinking it was going to be Rory and Hovland in a really a old time, old time kind of grueling mano a mano match, and instead the Camerons showed up. Cameron Smith, who was Ice cold on, on Saturday, was unbelievably good yesterday. And down the stretch with his putter, he was historic, shooting a 64. Cameron Young put on a show. Eagle on 18, dramatic. Rory hit the green. He just couldn't make a putt. Typical Rory. The putt is never there when it's on the line. That's what I always say about Roy. That's why I never pick him. The putt is never there, and it hasn't been, and now the drought continues. He's been close this year in every major, but you know what? He didn't win any. 
And now he ran into a red hot, red hot. But he got beat by both cameras yesterday. And Cameron Smith put on a show. Really an incredible putting display. The ball putt he made on 17 was ice. I mean, just absolute ice water in the veins when he made that putt on 17 for Paul. And his putting performance will be remembered for a very, very long time. He had an incredible back nine on his way to a British Open championship. He had been knocking on the door. And now he has uh, kicked it in with an incredible... Sunday, 64, to win the British Open. Doesn't get any better than that for a guy who, you know, is on the world golf scene. Foreign players, the British St. Andrews means a little more to them than it might to the American guy. Here, the Masters might mean a little more. The U.S. Open might mean a little more. There, the British Open means a lot. A lot. And that was an incredible display. It really was. For Rory, back to the drawing board. Hey, he was there. He was there with a chance. But the putter wasn't able to do the job. Not that he played badly. He didn't. Heck, he found every green in regulation. He just couldn't get a putt to drop. And he's on the outside looking in again. So as we complete this year's major schedule, what you have is the emergence of some young players and some emergence of some new stars. Scheffler has had a tremendous year. He was in contention yesterday, faded a little bit late when he wasn't going to win it, but he has had a brilliant year. He deserves his world number one ranking. He has been ultra consistent. He has had a dynamic season. And now Cameron Smith takes his place and now becomes one of the big stars in the game of golf. Emails when we return. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Send me questions, comments, send them to Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Most shows, we will spend a couple of minutes at the end answering your emails, and we thank you for uh, keeping them coming. Whose career do you prefer, Joe Flacco or Matt Ryan? Not even close. Matty Ice by a, by a long margin. I think, I think Matt Ryan's a very, very good quarterback. I think Flacco had his moments. I think Matt Ryan, if he had won that Super Bowl, which he should have, that was, and it wasn't on him. It was on the coaching staff completely, completely running amok and just screwing it up to the level that is almost hard to fathom in a big game with that kind of lead. But I think Ryan's career is, when you look at it, is pretty good, pretty consistent. He's had a very, very solid career, and I think he's going to be a very important player this year in the NFL with the, with the Colts. Mark in Manhattan. I get that he's had a lights-out season so far, 
But that said, there's not one bone in my body that trusts Diaz in a big spot. Now, listen, I was very hard on Diaz's first year here. He was awful. And he has turned it around. But I'm with you. He has not done it here until he does it in the postseason. That's where we decide who's dynamic, who's tops, who gets it done, who you can trust. I, I got to see it. Listen, he's had an overpowering season. Means nothing if he doesn't get it done in the big spot. And the big spot is September baseball games, maybe if your pennant's on the line, and then in the postseason. Baseball is an October sport. We cash in. The players cash in in this town based on October performance. Yes, you can be a good player. You can be a slugger like Alonzo. You can have the years that George has. You can have a big year as a closer like Diaz. But you become Mariano Rivera when you do it time and time again when the lights burn brightest. That's when Jeter did it. That's when Bernie did it. That's when Mariano did it. That's when Andy did it. That's why they remembered the way they are. Same thing. You have to do it in the postseason. And until you do, sorry, it's not done. And that's where I am with Diaz. TJ in Hoboken, besides Jerry Reese having had several bad drafts, it went right wrong for all these years. All right. There were a lot of things that went wrong. From ownership on down to cracks in ownership that were dealt with, were dealt with the stadium issues. That was an issue. That caused some divisions. They weren't always on the same page. They weren't on the same page in hiring people, in firing people. They brought in bad people to coach this team and to run this team. And with that has come a colossal amount of bad decisions. And it has taken them way too much time, effort, and money to try to rebuild this offensive line. They tried to get it rebuilt around Eli for all those years. They couldn't do it. They never gave Eli the support he needed. If they had, Eli would have performed and he would have done what he needed to do. Eli was always a guy who raised his level in the postseason. That's why he will always be fondly remembered here. Because when the lights burn brightest, he was always at his best. And that's why he is a two-time champion and will be remembered in giant annals forever. So there is a litany. It starts with ownership and it trickles down and they have done everything wrong. Now let's see if they did it right. I'm not ready to say they have. I need proof. I don't know if these guys are the right guys. All I know about Dable is that he was an assistant. He was an assistant here under Mangini. He went up and worked with a very talented quarterback in Josh Allen and had some success in Buffalo. That doesn't mean he's going to be a successful head coach. It doesn't mean he isn't. We're going to find out together. And the GM, I hear good things. I don't know him. The proof's in the pudding. Build the team. It's about time. Chris in Hoboken. What are your thoughts on fan pushback against Yankee shortstop? Uh, kind of Falifa and your overall thoughts on him as a player. I think he's been really good. 
Number one, I think he has settled the defense down. I think the Yankees are much better at playing situational baseball this year. Plus, what you notice about him is he doesn't have any power. He doesn't have any pop. But when he's up, he extends rallies. He gets base hits. He has led off innings and gotten on base. He has extended rallies with base hits. I think he's a winning player. I think he's a cog. I think he's the kind of player you have on good teams. I like him. I think he's been one of the biggest reasons why the Yankees have been successful this year. He has added great stability to defense, and he is a guy who extends innings and moves the lineup along. That is critical. Even the other day when LeMayo lined out on the last out, you know what? He kept the inning alive. He didn't end the game. He came up, runner on first, base hit. Now you got LeMayo up. Now you got a chance to get Gak and win the game. LeMayo hits a P, it gets caught, and the game's over. You know what? That's typical of what he's brought this year. I like him. Ben asks, in the wake of the NBA Finals, where does Steph Curry rank all time? Curry is the, and this was the first time that it fell on his shoulders, although he got an incredible amount of help in the fourth, fifth, and sixth games of this series, particularly by Wiggins, who in front of our eyes became a star on both ends of the floor. He became reliable enough that they could leave him on the floor and take Curry off and leave Wiggins on. And his defense was unbelievable. He was a superb two-way player in that series. Uh, Here's what I will say about Curry. He has grown up and matured. He now at least gives you an effort on defense, which he didn't in the past. He is an underrated ball handler. He is a brilliant ball handler, which doesn't get enough credit. He's wonderful at driving to the basket, and he's a brilliant ball handler. And he is the best long-range shooter of all time. Case closed. He's the best long-range shooter of all time. And that is a very, very big distinction. Hamdi in Princeton asks, uh, I'm not a big supporter of trading for Donovan Mitchell. I see the Knicks doing something stupid to land them. Please share your thoughts. I will take them. But A, I will not mortgage the future to get them. B, I will not include certain people in the deal. I don't have to have them. I don't think he changes the team automatically by his presence. I don't think the Knicks go to a different level because he's here. So I don't have to have him. Stephen Albrecht, Brett Gardner was my my favorite player in recent memory, and I'm disappointed he's not getting one more year with the Yankees. His veteran leadership would be a boon this October. Assuming he doesn't play this season and retires, how do you think the Yankees will handle his legacy? I always liked Gardner. Gaudy reminds me a little bit of, uh, Nimmo reminds me a little bit of Gaudy. A guy I thought when I first saw him, he was a fourth outfielder and he developed himself with hustle and determination into an everyday player. But Gaudy doesn't have a legacy. He wasn't that type of player. He was a good, solid player. He got big hits. Got some very big hits. He was a guy who was a real go-getter. He had a lot of hustle and a lot of moxie. But 
I, I'm sorry, he doesn't have a legacy. He's not a legacy type player. Send your emails to Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you later in the week. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.